Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. How about one more round of applause for everybody? Wow, what a great job. Thank you, Jen and Riley and the entire choir. Jesus, born on this day. And about 700 years before that day, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah stood to his feet and he projected out into the future. And on that occasion, he proclaimed a prophetic word, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. In other words, Jesus, that little baby born on Christmas Day, shall grow to be a man, a counselor and a king, and he will rule and reign forever. That's what the prophet said. And check it out. This has always been God's plan from the beginning. You can trace the first mention of Jesus all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So it wasn't like God's original idea failed and he was compelled to improvise on the run. No, Christmas is a divine prototype spoken into existence before the foundation of the world. So Christmas is not just a tradition. It's not just a holiday that we celebrate on December 25th. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, was born on this day. And that's something to get excited about. Yeah, please don't make me applaud myself. Now, according to the Gospel account, the early morning hours of Jesus' birth proved to be modest, and majestic at the very same time. And keeping with our December theme, carols, the Christmas carol that we want to feature this morning is O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, or in sin and suffering, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. O Holy Night is a classic Christmas carol, still extremely popular today and always listed among the top 10 Christmas songs of all time. It was written originally as a poem in 1843, wasn't performed as a song until about 14 or 15 years later. And O Holy Night recounts the birth of Jesus and it conveys the story of redemption. And this morning, for just a couple of moments, I want to review that story as it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke. But just before we do that, I'd like to ask you a question. How many of you are familiar with the term Christmas creep? Yeah, you heard me right, Christmas creep. And I'm not talking about the Grinch's cousin or that deranged holiday person that sends creepy chills up your spine. Christmas creep is a sales term. 
And it's used to describe what stores and merchants do to purposely and strategically advertise Christmas earlier than the year before. It's a sales pitch to advertise Christmas earlier than the year before. So for instance, years and years ago, stores would hang out ornaments and decorations and introduce us to the Christmas holiday, and they would do that right after Thanksgiving, like late November, early December. But then they accelerated the start time, and as long as I can remember, uh, the push for Christmas commenced on November the 1st, right after Halloween. But then this year, stores like Target and eBay, they began to advertise Christmas in the middle of October, even before Halloween was over. That's Christmas creep. A strategic attempt to sell us Christmas earlier than the year before. Now, why in the world would stores and merchants do such a thing? Yeah, one reason, one reason only. Money. Store owners know that people spend money at Christmas. A lot of money. Last year, $750 billion. Uh, Did you comprehend that number? $750 billion spent last year during the holiday season. And for the first time in American history, retailers are throwing around the T word. This year, a projected one trillion dollars will be spent during the month of December. A trillion dollars, that's a big number. It's a 13 digit number, a one in 12 zeros last time I checked. But here's what researchers have found regarding Christmas creep. Yes, with the additional advertisement, people are spending more and more money. However, because the holiday starting time is earlier and earlier, people have also become desensitized to the wonder of Christmas. People have lost their wonder. In other words, Christmas is just not all that special anymore. The lights and the sounds, the music and the magic of Christmas. What used to be reserved for just a couple of days, maybe a week during the year, has now stretched out into weeks and months And for most people, not all, but most, they still enjoy the shopping. They still get involved in holiday traditions. And brother and sister, people still love to eat these days. In fact, we eat like crazy. But the astonishment and the amazement of Christmas, the wonder of Christmas is all but gone. And so here's what, I'm going to li- here's what I am going to try and do this morning. And this is a tall order, I understand. I certainly have my work cut out for me. In fact, what I'm attempting to do this morning might not even be possible. But I'm going to try it anyway. Because what I want to do this morning, my goal is to awake the wonder. To awake the wonder to somehow revive your amazement and your astonishment and help you to rediscover the wow of Christmas. And I know for most of you, if not all of you, the true meaning of Jesus is in your heart, uh, or the true meaning of Christmas is in your heart. I'm well aware of the fact that Jesus is the reason for the season. 
But when was the last time the reading of the Christmas narrative took your breath away? And I mean, stop for just a moment and consider and acknowledge the majesty of Jesus' birth. When was the last time that happened for you? When was the last time that you saw some people up on a platform during a holiday season, a Christmas season, singing all the old hymns and songs, the Christmas carols, reading the verses, and it did something for you on the inside. That's what I'm hoping to do this morning, to awaken that wonder of Christmas so that we can acknowledge and understand the greatness of our God and what he did for us on this day. Now, while you think about that for just a moment, I'd like to review a little bit of the Christmas story found in the Gospel of Luke. And you heard most of this already during the choir presentation, the children reading it. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And just try to imagine this while I'm reading it. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, the, to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when or after they had seen him, after they'd seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. After they had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them. They told the story of Christmas, and all who heard it were amazed. All right, what we have in this part of the Christmas story is a group of shepherds standing guard in the middle of the night, watching over their sheep. And under normal circumstances, using their most vivid imaginations and the absolute best shepherd skills they had, they were doing everything they possibly could to stay awake, just like some of you right now fact is they were bored to tears and they were doing everything they could to keep their eyes open and make it through another dark and uneventful night sheep watching watching sheep sleep but such was not the case on this occasion as we just read sometime during the middle of the night without provocation or advance notice The normal darkness that covered the landscape was interrupted with a radiance the shepherds had never experienced or seen before. At the very moment Jesus was born, 
when he uttered that baby cry and breathed his first breath, the sky opened and a single angel appeared in all of its glory. When the shepherds saw the, the angel, immediately they hit the deck and they hid their faces in fear. But the angel said to them, the words that you know so well, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And as soon as the angel said, Christ the Lord, once again, the sky split open. And now there was a great company of angels, hundreds, maybe thousands. And they began to sing and to praise God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill to all men. And then the heavenly curtain closed again. And everything went back to normal, except for the shepherds that looked at each other and said, what in the world just happened? And then they scurried off to Bethlehem. Being led by the Spirit, they found Joseph and Mary and the little baby Jesus, just as the angel had said. And for just a few moments this morning, Here's the part of the story we just read that I want to focus in on. Two verses. Luke chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. When they, the shepherds, had seen him, the baby Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Quick question, how did the people respond to the shepherds talking to them and telling them the story of Christmas? Yeah, we just read it. It's a daily double. <laughs> they were amazed. I mean in total astonishment, blown away at the story. So much so they all said, wow. Wow. And I know that word wow is a pretty common word these days. We say it all the time. For everything and anything. We say wow when we're not even wowed. <laughs> and it certainly doesn't carry the same punch that it did years ago. In fact, take Owen Wilson, for example, or for instance, the, the, the actor, the Hollywood actor. He loves the word wow. I mean, in all of his movies, he says it countless times, over and over again. Here, check this out. Oh, wow. He has three little drawings. He goes, pole vaults over the thing, he goes, and there he is. Oh. Wow. Seven projects. Wow. Wow. It's going to be our honeymoon. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. Great. Amazing. Let's get a shoe shine. Wow, flippers and all, wow. 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 This is a nice boat. Wow, no wonder she wanted to leave. Wow, that's pretty good. Wow. 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 Hey. Wow. Wow, look at this. You know what this means? 715? Wow, welcome to the 700 Club, kid. Wow, we're stuck. I don't know if you've acknowledged it during regular conversation, but we do the very same thing. 
you know, uh, the forecast is two inches of rain. Wow. <laughs> you know, I had two eggs for breakfast and toast. Wow. <laughs> and we say wow instead of feel wow because of all that we've been exposed to and everything we've experienced. We are seldom impressed these days. I mean, there is very little that takes our breath away or leaves us speechless. Now, earlier, Dave had you take out your cell phone. Most of us carry a cell phone or a smartphone with us. This amounts to a mini computer. Did you know that your smartphone has a lot of technology built into it? A ton of technology. In fact, your smartphone, the one you take for granted, it has more technology built into it than the technology that went into the spaceship that landed a man on the moon. No wonder we have no wonder. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Just a few weeks ago, once again, I was engaged in pretty intense conversation with my five-year-old grandson, Giovanni. He just turned five just a few days ago. And on this occasion, we were playing this game called Family. It's a game that he and his sister, Audrey, came up with. And during this game, Teresa and I were their parents, just pretend. And I was at work, just pretend. And Gio was waiting for me to come home from work. He was waiting for dad. And so what I did is I text messaged him. He had Nona's phone, he had Teresa's phone. And so I sent him a text message and I said, Gio, I'm, I'm leaving work uh, pretty soon. I'm gonna come home and we'll play superheroes together. And so he saw the text come in, he ran it over to Nona, she read it to him. And when she read him the text, the wonder of phone technology hit this little five-year-old mind. And he came running over to me, I was in the other room, and he said, Papa, you sent me a text message. You typed it into your phone, and it came to Nona's phone, but it, how did it get there? How did it get from your phone? How, Papa, did it get there from your phone to this phone? Now, there's a reasonable answer uh, for that question, and I'm sure all of you would have absolutely no problem explaining it to him. Like, Gio, there's this thing, and he's five years old, like, there's this thing called SMSC, Small Message Service Center, and it kind of sends the text message to this big tower, and then the tower bounces the message back off in a little data package, and it goes to your phone. I'm sure you could have done a really good job explaining that to him. What I said is text messaging is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. The phone that you carry around in your purse and in your pocket, the technology that we have at our fingertips is crazy. And yet when I say something like that to you, you're ready to yawn because you do it so often without even thinking about it, it's no big deal to you. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 18, the verse we just read, it tells us that when the shepherds began to tell the people and circulate to the people the story of Christmas, they were amazed. And they said wow, and they meant wow, because they felt wow. And the very same thing can happen to us if we would open our hearts and listen to the message of Christmas. 
for just a second, put aside our preconceived notions and ideas of what Christmas is all about and just listen to the message of the angels. The story of Christmas has the potential to revitalize your wonder, to make you stand in amazement of our great God. And it all starts with a spiritual revelation of what the angels said to the shepherds, the very message that you and I can quote and we know it by heart, namely Luke chapter two and verse 11, today in the city of David, a savior or a Messiah has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Today, the Messiah has been born. He's Christ the Lord. And to this group of men that the angel was talking to, uh, these shepherds, they were all Jewish men living in and around the hillsides of Bethlehem. So what they did, they, they were shepherds, and they were all Jewish men. And I can tell you with absolute certainty that every single one of those shepherds were patiently waiting for the coming of Messiah. In fact, every single Jewish person living on the planet at that time knew the scriptures and they were waiting for this Messiah to appear. The very Messiah, the very Christ that the angel told them about. And when you read through the scriptures, you'll find uh, passages, uh, Old Testament prophecies and scriptures. And these scriptures talk about the coming Messiah. And from these verses of scripture, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and all the religious leaders, they believed that the Messiah would come from the line of David. He would be a descendant of David. In fact, you hear that over and over again throughout the Christmas story, that the Messiah would be from the lineage of David. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. That word branch is capitalized because it refers to a person. It refers to the coming Messiah. Jesse, as you well know, was the father of David. And reading this passage, the religious leaders, the, the scribes, they believed that Messiah would be a descendant of David. Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 5 and 6 confirms that opinion. This prophecy says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David. For who? For David, a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. From these prophecies and many others that you know, are you, can you begin to understand why the religious leaders taught that the Messiah would be a descendant of David? Of course, it's obvious. But they were half right. Joseph, the earthly father, of Jesus, he was from the tribe of David. He was from the lineage of David. But what they didn't know, what they didn't expect, what didn't even cross their minds was a miracle birth. That by God's design, written into the script before the foundation of the world, a little virgin girl by the name of Mary, would conceive under the power of the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son. 
And that little baby lying in the manger on Christmas morning was in fact the Son of God. That's precisely what the angels said to the shepherds. That baby is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Not just human royalty from the lineage of a past king like King David. Not just a king who could rival the power and majesty of Caesar, but the second person of the divine trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, born on Christmas Day. Now, I want to tell you one more story and then we're going to close our time together. This story is about a patriarch of the faith. His name is Jacob. Jacob was a father. He was a founder of the Jewish faith. In fact, when describing himself, oftentimes God would refer to himself and say, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. That's a pretty distinct and impressive title for Jacob. That God would say, I'm the God of Jacob. He was a patriarch. He was a man of God. But you know, the Bible tells us that at some point in his life, he was lost. He found himself in a dark place spiritually. He had made a couple of bad decisions. He was fighting with his family. He didn't have any hope for the future. And he desperately needed some divine guidance. And it was during that time in his life, a time when his, his emotional state was filled with loneliness and fear, that Jacob had a dream. Went to sleep one night, and God gave him a dream. And in his dream, what Jacob saw was a vision of a ladder or a stairway. And in his mind, this ladder or this stairway, it's, it rested on the earth and made its way all the way up to heaven. You know, stairway to heaven. Sounds like a song. <laughs> and when Jacob had that dream and, and he, was, he was thinking about that dream and he saw that vision, he thought in his mind, if I could just make my way to the top of that ladder... If I could climb the ladder and get to heaven, I know that I could get some help from God. Maybe I could get some relief from all of my pain. Maybe I could get some answers for all my questions. If I could just get to the top of that ladder. That's what he's thinking while he's having this vision. But you see, what Jacob failed to understand was the positioning of the ladder. Even though it appeared to him to have started or originated on the earth and made his way up to heaven, its way. In all actuality, the ladder was designed differently, and it actually started in heaven and made its way down to earth. Amen. And what Jacob found out is that he couldn't go up the ladder. If he was going to get help, God had to come down. There was no way that Jacob or anyone else was going to be able to ascend that ladder if he was going to find any relief from his pain, if he was going to find any direction for the future, God would have to come down. Don't look now, friends, but that's the wow of Christmas. That's the incarnation. 
Jesus, the Son of the living God, left his throne in heaven, made his way onto that ladder, and came down to earth as a man. We couldn't go up, so God came down. Could the story be any more amazing than that? It came down for us. Now, in just a couple of moments, we're going to close out our time together with the singing of O Holy Night. I quoted the lyrics for you, some of them earlier. Let me repeat them. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. And by the way, this is my favorite Christmas carol. We saved the best for last. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he, God, appeared and the soul felt its worth. The soul was amazed. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees and hear the angel's voice. Hear the angel's message. And here's the message of Christmas. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son to be with us. God loves us so much, he cares about us, he wanted to be with us. In fact, one of the other names assigned to Jesus by the prophet Isaiah, in addition to wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace, was the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Think about it. Our great creator, the creator God who spoke everything to, into existence, holds it all together with the word of his power on that glorious and majestic night, left his splendor and his majesty and his throne in heaven, and he made his way onto that ladder, and he came down to be with us. Amen. He came down for us. And Jesus, born on Christmas Day, as a little baby ultimately would become a man, walk down the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, be nailed to a cross and die on that cross for the sins of the world, for my sin and yours. And oftentimes when I communicate that gospel message to people, they don't want to receive it. They reject it because they just don't think they're worthy enough to receive that kind of God's love. Like, Pastor, if you only knew all my faults and failures, if you only knew the kind of person I was, there is no way that a holy God could ever find value in my life. There's no way that he could ever reach out to me or love me unconditionally, not with what I've been through and what I've done. That's precisely how Jacob felt. And what did God do? Gave him a dream. Showed him a prophetic message of Christmas 2,000 years before it happened. And God said, Jacob, you're absolutely right. You could never make your way up here. That's why I'm coming down for you. And all you have to do is believe it. Just open your heart and let the wonder of Christmas change you from the inside out. And here's the way you do that. If you have yet to make a full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not surrendered your life and your heart to him, you fall on your knees. Not literally or physically, but spiritually, figuratively. You fall on your knees in humility and repentance and you cry out to him for salvation and you say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior, my Messiah, my Christ. He's available for that this morning. 
And if you're already saved, you've already made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know the story of Christmas, you know what you do? You fall on your knees. Not literally or physically, but spiritually. Not in repentance, but in reverence of who he is and the amazing love that he bestowed upon us when he paid the price of our redemption. You see, over the years as I've prepared for Christmas, as I've tried to get my heart ready for this incredible and amazing story, I have found that from the posture of your knees, a symbol and a type of humility and reverence before God, you stand a much better chance of being amazed from your knees. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you were able, Lord, to penetrate our mindset and thought processes and for some people awake the wonder of Christmas. Lord, the first time that it was told, the first season of Christmas, people who heard the story stood in utter amazement. They were blown away. They were speechless at what you did for us when you left your throne in heaven and you came to earth to save us and to be with us. And Father, I pray for every person here in this assembly of people, for those, Lord, who have yet to surrender to this gospel message and for those, Lord, who have done it a long time ago, that this Christmas we could fall on our knees figuratively and acknowledge your greatness and receive your gift and stand amazed of your love. I pray, Lord, that you would move in our hearts, that you'd help people to make some key decisions right now in the next two or three minutes as we honor you with the singing of this song, O Holy Night. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.